This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Durant. Oh, <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> you Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> Good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go again. <laughs> so, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Ennis Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth. Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Ennis Cantor. And you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck. We are part of DailyThunder.com, also Almighty Baller Radio. You can listen to us on Dash Radio on Saturday afternoon. Emergency pod! I'm in the mountains right now. I'm outside. It's like 40 degrees, and I'm trying not to wake up my family. And I got the guy, the man, Fred Katz, on the line. So let me explain to you what's happening before I even let Fred talk, because he's doing something that's so nice for me. So my internet speed is awful. Right now I'm talking to Fred on my cell phone and he's recording the pod for me and then he's going to send it to me and then I will send it to you. Fred, thank you and how's it going? I consider myself more of a guy, an A-man, if that's uh <laughs> if that's all right. No, you're you are the you are the man right here. What twelve forty seven AM and I think that's Mexico a I think that's a hot article take. It's like a hot take about this. <laughs> uh, Fred, the Thunder are doing good things. They acquired Patrick Patterson today, the biggest free agent signing in Thunder history, for the tax for a mid level of five point two million. What are, What are your initial thoughts? Literally, the biggest free agent signing in Thunder history. Like no, it's the first yeah. time they've signed another team's free agent to that much money. Granted, it took the cap spiking up like like forty five percent from what it was back when they signed Nanad Kristich, but you know, close <laughs> enough. Uh, what are my thoughts? I think he's a perfect fit. Hey, didn't I tell you? Was it you? Didn't I go on down to dunk in like April and tell you that I think the Thunder will use their mid level on a stretch four, and I think Patrick Patterson's a perfect fit. Yes, you did. You didn't I tell you the that? future at that time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Granted, I didn't know they were going to get Paul George, but let's ignore that part. Uh, but yeah, I can't. I can't say that two months ago, and then come out here, or two and a half months ago, and then come out here and uh, and tell you that it's terrible. I think. I think it's a great fit. Honestly, I think it's a better fit than Rudy Gay would have been. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. He can be a 15 to 20 percent usage guy. He shoots threes wells. He was 40, 41 percent from from the corners this past season. Uh, he's he's a quality defender. He's not a great defender. He doesn't you know get in passing lanes or anything like that. But he's a really solid team defender who can capably switch out onto big wings and that kind of stuff, which I think will be really important in the types of defense they can end up playing next year because they have so many versatile defenders. I think it's a great signing for them, and I, it seems to me they got him for – granted, the market has dried up, obviously, and, and and there are a lot of people who are getting less money than they expected, like George Hill being the most obvious. George Hill turned down like an $80 million extension and then had to go to the Kings oh, for $57 million with year, year three, not even fully guaranteed. But I I think for the price they got him, $5.2 million in year one, $5.5 million in year two, year three, we'll see if he picks it up or not. It's a $5.7 million player option. Like This is a good team-friendly deal for a guy who my guess is going to end up starting a power forward for them. Yeah, you'd think he would have to 
And let's go to Rudy Gay real quick, because everyone was very kind of obsessed with this idea of bringing Rudy Gay to the Thunder. And the, the truth is, like, Rudy Gay has a ton of talent, and it's undeniable. And he's had it for a long time. He's been in the NBA for a long time. Uh, but the fit wasn't great. He took 24% of his shots from three last season before he got hurt. Uh, contrasting that with Patrick Patterson, he took like 66% of his shots from three. The Thunder need a, a spacer at the four. And Rudy Gay, he's capable, but he's also not that guy. They would have had to convince him to be in that role. But Patrick Patterson doesn't need any convincing. He's going to play defense. Um, and then he's going to sit in the corners or he's going, he's just going to hit threes. That's what he's going to do. And that's what the Thunder really needed. And Rudy Gay would have helped. I think Rudy Gay as a six man would have made more sense. Uh, but if we're talking about a starting four, uh, Patrick Patterson makes way more sense. You know what my problem with the Rudy Gay conversations was? It's that they usually go in the way, and Andrew, I'm calling you out on my problem with you right now. They usually, they usually go in the way that you just started. Someone, someone either disagrees because of, what you just said, that he would be a good fit, or they say he's a good fit because he's a talented offensive player and he can score and they need another ball handler who can score, yada, yada, whatever it is. You know what the starting point of any Rudy Gay conversation should be for me? That Rudy His Gay, injuries, right? Yeah, he's 31 <laughs> years old and he has a torn Achilles. Like, the mm-hmm. only player I can think of in the history of the NBA who has come back from a torn Achilles capably, and I said this on my podcast, I said this on Twitter, I am saying this to anybody who will listen because I feel like I'm, I am Mugatu in the last scene of, of Zoolander right now. And I really do feel like I'm taking crazy bells. Why is everyone ignoring the fact that the dude is 31 or going to be 31 at the start of the season is recovering from a torn Achilles. And the only person who's ever recovered from that to be okay is Dominique Wilkins. And if your argument is, well, it's happened and medicine is better than Dominique and it's, and, and, and it's, and, and maybe there's a better chance that it happens now. You're right. The medicine is better. But you realize that it took maybe one of the five greatest athletes ever to step on a basketball court for the dude to be okay. Like, Wes Matthews is one of the hardest workers in the entire NBA. That guy has one of the most insane work ethics you will ever see. The amount of dedication and care that he puts into his craft is unbelievable. He follows every stereotype that an undrafted dude would. And he came back two years younger than Rudy Gay from an Achilles and is just not the same player. He's not a bad player, but he's not worth the contract that Dallas gave him. No one. It's it's the it's the one basketball related injury that we just haven't been able to figure out as a society for guys to come back from. And I don't understand why that is like the seventh bullet point that people. Man, like, oh yeah, he also has an Achilles. And meanwhile, with Blake Griffin, they're like, oh, Blake hurt his wrist. He's really worried about that. Why does that come up with Blake Griffin, but with Rudy Gay? It's, oh, no big deal. He'll, just, he'll be back for the start of the season. It's so I, Patterson stylistically is a better fit. This is my huge pet peeve. I don't understand why we're all ignoring this. Am I going insane? I don't think you're going insane, but I do think if you could get Rudy Gay for that five point two, then I think it does make sense because the talent's there. But if you're but if you're given the option to be Rudy Gay at five point two and Patrick Patterson at five point two, I think you have to choose Patterson because I I didn't even think that was like an option. Like in my head, I'm like ah. Uh, like he could probably get like a three for thirty from somebody, right? Um, but if you can get him for what the Thunder did, I, I just think it's a no-brainer. As far as you already have two guys that need the ball, and they're already going to have to figure out how that works. And then like throw Rudy Gay into that starting lineup, it's not a seamless fit. 
but Patterson doesn't take a lot of possession. He's just going to stand there and fire the ball when he's open. So I think I, I think the fit is is undoubtedly better. And maybe people are like, well, do you think Rudy Gay is more talented? Like, yeah, probably he's probably more a basketball player. Um, but basketball, a team isn't always about like throwing as much talent as you can on the floor. Like this, this is about like this. The Thunder defense is going to be absurd now, especially if they bring Robertson back. Uh, or if they have other options at point guard, they could bring in like this. This defense is going to be absurd. I, I think Rudy Gay is probably a little bit more maligned than he should be for his defense, but uh, Patterson's going to help. And we also another point that we always talked about, like a, one of the best case scenarios for Demonic Sabonis is Patrick Patterson, and now the Thunder have Patrick Patterson. I like guess just this, this team makes a ton of sense on paper, and I think they're going to be really good. Yeah, I think they're going to be really good defensively too. I mean, they were 10th in defense last year and they just, they, they, they upgraded from, from Oladipo and Sabonis to Paul George, who's another, I mean, their two wing positions, if they bring back Robertson, their two wing positions, how many wings are, are better defensively, wing combinations around the league are better defensively than Paul George and Andre Robertson? I mean, Kawhi and Danny Green is the only other one that I can think of that gives it a run, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're going to yeah, have I'm those guys on the wings. They're going to have Stephen Adams, who is a well above average center, who I think could conceivably be an all defensive type of guy at some point in his career. You know, I think is going to have a really good year this upcoming season. People forget Stephen Adams is only twenty three years old. People talk about him like he's a finished product. He's not. He's twenty three. He's like mm-hmm. Chris Dunn's mm-hmm. age. Like he's going to be. People talk about Chris Dunn as this young up and comer and Steven Adams is the same age as him. Like he's, he's got a long ways to improve. Um, and Patterson is this really solid team defender. You've got Grant with tremendous defensive potential as a potentially switchy guy with the way that the Thunder used him in the playoffs this past year. A, a possible, uh, you know, sh- right now he's a shot blocker. He's not a rim protector. But maybe if, if Billy Donovan can coach him mm-hmm. up somewhere, I thought his defense improved throughout last year. And, and the Thunder are really good at developing guys like that throughout a career. Like, remember Serge Ibaka early in his career? I'm not saying that Grant is the next Serge Ibaka, but Ibaka is just the most extreme example of this, of a guy who came in as just a shot blocker and not a rim protector and turned into just an unbelievable rim protector. And if they can do that with Ibaka, I feel like they can do that on an obviously much smaller scale with Jeremy Grant turning him into something like that. And if he's also someone who can guard in the perimeter, that's just a really valuable type of defender to have on your bench. They just have a lot of athleticism and a lot of long guys. Who would have thought that Sam Presti getting a lot of like athletic long guys who can defend? So out of character, right? Right. And I I mean, and I I just think that it's crazy. People were really wanting Todd Gibson to come back. But I, the, one of the biggest flaws with Taj is that he couldn't shoot threes or that he just didn't shoot threes. Uh, and now they have a very similar player to Taj. I think Taj is probably a better defender than Patterson is. Uh, but he stretches out to three, and it's perfect. Like, if you could just make one big critique of Taj's game is that he doesn't shoot threes, and if he did, uh, he would have probably gotten even more money than he got on the market this year. Uh you get a discount compared to what Taj got, and you get a guy that shoots threes and spaces the floor. I, I don't know. I, I can't think of a more perfect fit that you could get for the tax tournament level. 
I would like to thank Anchor Down for sponsoring today's show. If you live in Oklahoma City and you haven't been to Anchor Down, you have made a big mistake. This place is awesome. Inside is great. They have a great bar. They've got great food. They have a great patio. They have a really good beer selection. You can get some jalapeno poppers there that are just to die for right now. Of course, they've got that salad that's super fresh. They've got their corn dogs. It's a great time to go check out Anchor Down. Go grab a beer. Grab your friends, go on the patio, order some corn dogs, order some pizza tots, get yourself a salad, go check out Anchor Down today. Yeah, I, I, I do. I think Taj Gibson is a better player than Patrick Patterson. Like in a vacuum, I think Taj Gibson is a better player than Patrick Patterson. But sure, sure, they were never getting Taj Gibson for five million dollars. That just that no. was that was not happening. Taj Gibson took way less money than he could have for market value on his last contract with Chicago, and he's 31 years old, and he wanted to get paid, and he deserved to get paid, and he went to a place that I think is a really good fit for him, especially from a personality standpoint because he gets to reunite with Tibbs and be a veteran leader on a on a young team that's probably going to be really competitive this year. So I completely understand why he ended up going there. I'm kind of with you on – I think Taj is a better defender. He's obviously – Overall, he's a more versatile offensive player because he, he has a good post game and he has a good mid-range game. Yeah. And he's a better – like Patterson is a good pick-and-pop guy, but I don't think he's really a pick-and-roll guy. And Taj can like pick-and-pop to 16 feet and, and he can roll and he's probably a better passer and you feel more comfortable with him with the ball. But these are all skills that the Thunder don't necessarily need. Like those are more valued in Minnesota than they are in Oklahoma City with the way that the Thunder's team is set up. What they need most from their four is a guy who can spread the floor because with Taj on the floor, I mean with with Taj on the floor this year with the starting lineup that they were playing including Taj this year, they had five below average three-point shooters on the floor in their starting lineup below average for their positions, which is kind of an amazing thing. Now they have Paul George, who's well above average three-point shooter for his position. Now they're going to have Patterson. So they're going to they're going to at least have two guys out there, assuming Patterson is the starter over Grant. They're going to have at least two guys out there who are above average three-point shooters for their position. That's going to help space the floor a lot. And even though Patterson is streaky, guys still guard him, which is really what matters the most. Like he is going to provide space for Russell Westbrook to get to the lane, for him to drive and kick, for him to even do his mid-range pull-ups that sometimes that sometimes frustrate people. Like he is just going to have more room to operate, and that's always a good thing for the Thunder. Yeah, no, no question. Uh, so the Thunder have another free agent out there. And Andre Robertson, where where do you think? First of all, do you think he's going to get an offer from another team? And then where do you think his number settles? Because I feel like his market is drying up, and I feel like the Thunder are in a really good place right now with him, and with them also like completing this roster. I think that probably encourages him more. Like, hey man, like come back here and we can have the best defensive team in basketball. We can make a run at the Western Conference Finals. Or you can go sign with the Kings or the Nets and you know make probably make a little bit more money. But, I mean, you're going to what Rudy Gay called basketball hell. Uh, what do you think Robertson's going to do? I think all restricted free agents, except for like Otto Porter, are in a really bad place right now. The market is really dried up. I don't think Andre is going to make as much money as he hoped or thought that he maybe would this summer. And like I said before, like that's true for a lot of people. 
like Rudy Gay turned down a $14 million player, player, player option. And I'm not certain he's going to get 14 million a year. Now, granted that him turning that down may have, like you said, the basketball hell thing that may have had more to do with, uh, you know, personal reasons and, and personal happiness than it did money. But I don't know if he's getting 14, like, George Hill turned down a huge contact extension with the Jazz, and he didn't get close to that mm-hmm. from Sacramento. Like a lot of these guys out there are just not getting what they thought they were going to get because the market is not dictated by how high the salary cap is. It's dictated by how much cap room there is. And while the salary cap is $5 million higher this year than it was last year, the amount of cap room is only like a third of what it was. And that's what's made the market really dry up. I think – their priority has always been to re-sign Andre Robertson, and I think that stayed consistent and may have even gotten higher after the Paul George trade. Now, depending on if other moves end up coming in, which could make Robertson redundant or something like that, like we talked about Marcus Smart, I don't know how that would change their mind. But as of now, as the roster currently is currently constructed, I think Andre Robertson is going to end up back and I think he's going to end up – like I still think that some team, whether it's Brooklyn – like I don't think Brooklyn is going to give him an obscene offer. I don't think Sacramento is going to give him an obscene offer. But I think if he can be had for $10 million a year, I think either of those teams are going to end up make, signing him to the offer sheet. And if the Thunder match, the Thunder match, that's less than they offered him in an extension offer last fall. So you have to imagine that, that and they had a, he had the best year of his career this past year. So you have to imagine that's what they value him at. But if I'm one of those teams, I'm throwing at least that amount at him. If it comes down to that, I don't think this will be for a little bit. Like he's going to go later into free agency. He's, he's, you know, uh, he's, he's somewhere obviously below uh, that first tier of restricted free agents. So they're going to go through the first tier of restricted free agents and then they're going to make their way down to him. So he, he might be, you know, into the second week, into the third week of restricted free agency before he gets the offer. I still think he'll be around that $10 million offer, uh, 10 million a year. But I mean, he, I, I don't, I, I would be surprised if, if somebody came in with just like, you know, they say it only takes one, but I, I would be surprised if somebody came in with just a ginormous offer to blow the thunder out of the water. Yeah, and if they if they get Patrick Patterson on the deal he's on, Paul George, and then they get Robertson at $10 million a year, I mean, that's, a, that's an outrageous summer for Sam Presti. And then I think, I mean, he's still got to get a backup point guard, and if he is able to pull off, you know, like a Marcus Smart deal or Terry Rozier or even – I don't know, Corey Joseph out of Toronto. Like, you can get, like, any of those three guys. Like, that's just an incredible summer. Like, he's he's done such a good job. I mean, people, I, I don't know. I, I just heard so much of, like, fire Sam Press. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's going to let all these guys go hard and trade, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't think people know, like, how smart this guy is and, like, what a good job he's doing. I know people recognize it now that there's all these moves being made, but it just kind of blows my mind that people don't appreciate him until he's, like, until he's done what he's done, you know, up to this point, it's just it just kind of blows my mind a little bit. I, I'm with you. He's 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 brilliant. He's one of the best general managers in the league. Look at what he's built. Look at what he's built. He's it's extremely. I mean, people talk about having to bottom out to then come back and be a good team again, right? And they didn't bottom yeah. out them. I think that's really the sign of amazing management in some ways. Like. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying if you do bottom out, it's not a sign of it, you can't have great management too, because that's obviously not the case. There are plenty of organizations with phenomenal management who bottom out and get there. 
But like the the the, the certain organizations, Houston does it, which I think is a great front office. Miami does it, which I think is a great front office. They don't really tank. They stay good. I mean, Miami does it because they want free agents, and Houston does it because they want a way to get a star. But they they don't they don't really tank, and they stay good, and they still are able to. They don't rebuild, but they restructure. And they're still able to restructure and then turn themselves into really really good teams again. And Presti just did it in a year, and I I find that yeah. impressive. Uh, going against the way from a guy who. Who is who is pro tanking based on his actions? I mean, the Thunder have lost before mm-hmm. and gotten good picks, and he was also somebody. Let's not forget that when the NBA was trying to employ those those anti tanking rules a few years ago, when Sam Hinkie was doing his thing in Philadelphia, Sam Presti was one of the people who led the charge against those. One of the very few people who didn't want to employ those tanking sanctions. Presumably because if he lost Russell Westbrook and he lost to Kevin Durant and he had to rebuild and do it all over again, he would probably be down to tank. That's the only conceivable reason why. I can't imagine he was just lobbying against it out of fairness. So I, it's, it's, it's a really impressive thing that he was able to, to bring this team back to, I mean, they're, they're one of the better teams in the NBA now. I don't, we'll see where they rank. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to say now because no one's roster, including the Fenders, is complete. But they're really, really good. They're, they're, they're going to be set for – they're better than they were last year. There's no question. Yep, yep, no doubt. Uh, another kind of – that, that, that being said, that being said, Andrew, Andrew, that being said, huh. if, if the Fender are $2.3 million into the luxury tax – can you imagine how much Sam Presti will be regretting that $2.4 million he has to pay Ronnie Price? Oh, my goodness. Well, don't you just stretch Singler at that point? Well, I'm assuming, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that's after stretching Singler. Okay. Yeah. That's- so if they're, if they're 5.7 into the luxury tax, they stretch Singler and they're like 2.3 into it. And it's Ronnie Price's 2.4. <laughs> bringing them into the luxury tax. Like, can you imagine the second, the unnecessary second guaranteed year they gave to Ronnie Price who they waived and didn't stretch? And the biggest problem I have is that they did that in order to let Samaj Christian be the backup point guard for the team. Not only did they make a bad move, but they did, they made another bad move in letting the worst backup point guard into the NBA. <laughs> it always comes back to Samaje Christian. It does. It does. That, that should be the name of this podcast. <laughs> it, co- it always comes back to Samaje. Uh, and it's Kanner. What do you think they're going to do with Kanner? Everybody's like, oh, they're going to just dump Kanner so that we can go sign another guy. And it's like, well, it's not really how it works. And um, But it would help them in regards to the luxury tax if they could find a way to deal him for like a guy that made like $9 million or or something like that. Uh, I've had to explain to people multiple times, I don't know who wants Ennis Kanter. Like, I don't know who that is. And and also, Ennis Kanter probably helps this team uh, more than who they could go get. Uh, so what do, you, what do you think they're going to do with Kanter? I've said it from the very beginning. I don't think he's going to get traded. I just don't. There's, there's not a market for centers like him, for those offense-first, defense-never centers. They're just not there. Philadelphia's been trying to trade Jaleel Okafor for a year. They're just trying to give him away. They're not even trying to trade him. They're trying to 
sneak him into a FedEx box and somehow get him onto a plane to another city <laughs> and he keeps getting returned. He's like a human boomerang in the train market. He just keeps getting flown back to Philadelphia every single time. Nobody wants these guys and he's on he's on a on a rookie contract. I mean, the Magic have been trying to deal Nikola Vucevic, who I think is a better defensive player, not a good defensive player, but a better defensive player than Ennis Kanter is and he's on a cheaper deal. They haven't been able to do it. Mm-hmm. Toronto's open to trading Valanciunas, better defensive player on a cheaper deal as well. They haven't been able to do it. Milwaukee's been open to dealing Greg Monroe for a long time, a similar contract. Also a better defensive player than Canner. Not actually a horrible defensive player, Greg Monroe. There are times where you watch him in the pick and roll right. and you're like, that's like not that's much better than your reputation shows. He's not a good defensive player, but I don't think he's nearly on Canner's level. And they haven't been able to do it either. And there are some other guys out there too. The market for centers in general is down. I mean, look at Nerlens Noel, who's like the prototypical modern long defensive minded defensive anchoring center. He was Justin Anderson and two second rounders was the price that Philly only got for him. So granted, I mean, he he was a free agent, uh, but he was restricted. And like teams just – there are a lot of centers out there and teams don't really want them. Like it's Mm -hmm. just – it took Brooklyn years (laughs) to trade Brook Lopez and the only reason they were able to do it is because they were like, yeah, yeah, give us the Mozgov contract. Like that was – the reason they were able to make that deal it was a, it was a salary dump of Mozgov and they attached D'Angelo Russell and make it happen like it's just it's tough to make that deal and Ennis Kanter is the most expensive of all of those guys and if the Thunder I don't think the Thunder are in a position to just give him away for free now because if they give him away for free mm-hmm. it's not like they have the, the cap room from giving away for free to go out and get some big guy or something like that so they're giving him away for free just to save money at that point and if that's what they're doing just mm-hmm. to save money after they made a win now move to go get Paul George i just don't understand the inconsistency there and i think that's part of it if they can bring back somebody who helps and they can save money i think that would be great but i don't think you're getting anything for Ennis Kanter i just i don't think you are like the Thunder fans have this weird inconsistency and it happens in my mentions like all the time. And I want to just mute the entire world when it happens. When, when they're like, Canner's too expensive. His deal's too expensive. They should dump him for a first round pick. It's like, that's not what dumping is. That's just acquiring a first round pick and a really good trade. It's not what dumping is. Right. If you don't want Canner, why do you think that all the other 29 teams want Canner? Like, it's not the way that this works. <laughs> The other 29 teams feel the same way. He's a good player and he helps the Thunder, but but his style with that contract is just – it's extremely difficult situation on the trade market. That's c- – yeah, cease rant. No question. Cease rant. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, and the fact is that he's going to help the Thunder next season. Like He'll yeah. help them win regular season games. And if they match up with San Antonio or even with – Minnesota who's going to play two bigs or if like the Pelicans somehow like sneak into the playoffs, which I don't think they will, but if they somehow did and they match up in the first round with the Thunder and this kid is going to play a lot and he's going to help them a lot. Uh, so I don't, I, I don't think that they're going to dump them either. I don't think that they, you're right. They can't afford it. And it would, it would just look like, I mean, Bill Simmons would just dance in the streets if they dumped in his canner just to save tax dollars. I mean, it would just be, just the most cheap out way um, whenever you're build, trying to build a contender. Uh, and his Kenner will help. Uh, but yeah, they, they can't, they can't go get everybody's like, Oh, can we trade 
a Guinness scanner for Eric Bledsoe or something like that. It's like, ah, oh, well, that's that's not really understanding like the value of in a scanner. You know, like he he doesn't he doesn't hold that much value. Uh, I think that he'll. I think they would like to get off of his deal and bring in somebody like a wing or a point guard, but uh, wings and point guards are way more valuable than big centers who can score. So that's just not going to happen. Yeah, and, uh, and for the record, Andrew, I the Thunder yeah. the Thunder have been telling teams since like before the draft that they plan on paying the taxes here. And I think there are a lot of teams that have been skeptical about that. I don't think everyone has necessarily believed it. But with the moves that they made, even though they shaved money in the Paul George deal, the fact that they spent money on the mid-level on Terrence on a, well, Terrence Ferguson was their pick, who they still haven't signed uh, on Patrick Patterson. But Patrick Patterson is going to bring him up to about 113 on the books, and they still haven't signed Ferguson. He's going to bring him up to 114 points something. Like that's bringing him within five million of the luxury tax, and we're not talking about we're not yet at a backup point guard. We're not yet at Andre Robertson, who they would like to re-sign. Like they they're going to pay tax dollars. I, I'm I'm pretty. I mean, it seems like they're going in the direction at least of paying tax dollars, and unless unless they let Robertson walk. Or unless something kind of unforeseen happens where they're able to shed money or they try to shed money or they really do just attach an asset to Canner just to dump him in a a move like that, which I think would be uncharacteristic, not of line with a Paul George trade, then then I think they're going to end up paying the tax. Yeah. If you want to compete, you're going to have to pay the tax, especially for the Thunder team in the way that they're constructed. You just have to. And especially Uh, in today's environment, like so many, so many teams this year are going to, in, an unprecedented amount of teams are going to pay the taxes here. Sure. Yeah. And Portland may pay the tax and they may not even make the playoffs. Could be really, could be a really bad situation in Portland. Oh yeah. I do not envy them. Detroit Detroit could pay the tax. The way the West is. Yeah. Detroit could pay the tax though in the East. Like there are Mm -hmm. a lot of teams, like half the league might actually end up legitimately half the league might end up paying the taxes here because of that insane overspending last year. Yep. Yeah, it's insanity. Um, backup point. So the there are a lot of avenues for the Thunder. Uh, they have the trade exception they can still use, and there's a lot of players that would fit into that. Uh, we talked about, we mentioned Marcus Smart. I think that he'd be a really nice fit. Who, who else is out there, and what, what kind of point guard are they looking for? I'm not sure if they're looking for a guy anymore who can necessarily play next to Russ, depending on their feeling with Robertson. Because I think they like Abrinas a lot, and I think they want to get Abrinas a decent amount of minutes at the two. And I don't think Abrinas is really a two-three that you can play. I think he's pretty strictly a two. So I think if they could go out and they could get somebody who could give them 13 to 17 minutes a night just as a backup point guard, I think they're fine. I don't think they need to get someone of, of Ray Felton's caliber or anything along those lines. If they could bring in Marcus Smart, the way Marcus Smart would obviously work is that Boston doesn't have the room to sign Gordon Hayward now, so they've got to dump some salary. And if Smart ends up being the guy that's them, then he makes $4.5 million next year. The Thunder have a $4.9 million trade exception left over from Irshan Eliasova, which means they could just, even though they're over the cap, they, they could absorb Marcus Smart's $4.5 million salary into the Ilyasova $4.9 million trade exception and essentially get him without having to give up players, and Boston would get that salary dump. The Thunder could give back a draft pick or something. Maybe the Chicago pick, the unprotected Chicago pick in 2018, is enough to get him 
based on his market. I don't know what the other 29 teams are thinking in terms of what we, what we get Marcus Smart. But Boston really has no leverage in that situation. So it's a suppressed market for Marcus mm-hmm. Smart starting on that because teams are not going to give up what it would take if Boston were just trying to trade Marcus Smart. So I, I think he'd be someone who would be really interesting and it would be interesting to see what happened. What would happen with Andre Robertson if they made that trade while he was still on the market? Uh, I think mm-hmm. even just like a Beno Udre would be an upgrade, right? Yeah. Udre, Sheldon Mack, like just one of those guys that you can bring in for close to the minimum. And they're an easily an upgrade. It's just the thing is that it's not going to be hard to upgrade the backup point guard position. Like that's, that's probably the easiest thing that Sam Presti will do this summer is upgrade the backup point guard position. Uh, Marcus Smart would be great because I think he, he guards multiple positions and he runs a pick and roll. And I think that he would probably love playing Oklahoma City because a lot of OSC fans really like him. Uh, I think he'd be perfect. Uh, but then, like, if he did end up with, like, Shelvin Mack or Bino Udry, like, that's, like, those guys are competent NBA players. Those are for sure NBA players, and that's, that's what the Thunder needs. Mack would be fine. Mack would be fine. Yeah. Totally fine. Yeah, would be I, totally I, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. I, um, let's see. Oh, let's talk Summer League. You are in Orlando. I am. And the Thunder Summer League uh, became a lot less interesting when Del Moss wasn't on the team. And you kind of have the whole Terrence Ferguson FIBA debacle. Uh, but have you taken anything from the Summer League? Uh, anything that's intriguing at all to you? Uh, I appreciated that apparently on the TV broadcast, Vince Carter called Thunder Summer Leaguer Vince Hunter, Vince Young. <laughs> I, I also. Vince is in that conversation. That's why I really like it. That's why I really like it. I, uh, <laughs> I also really enjoyed today when uh, Charlotte Hornets Summer Leaguer, Chris Joseph, and Syracuse product. Uh, High five! Tried to high five a ref after making a three. I really appreciate that. <laughs> and then when I and then when I asked him after the game, I specifically went up to him. We actually went to college together, so I specifically went up to him and asked him after the game about trying to high five the ref. I was like, "Did you try to high five the ref?" And his response was emphatically yelling, "Yeah, man! I want to high five everyone after I make a three. <laughs> Oh, man. I love that. It was so great. I was so happy. I was like, Chris, that's the greatest quote anyone's ever given me at Summer League. Thank you so much. Uh, that's all I've taken away. Josh Eustace played really well in their second game. Yeah. Uh, but, like, it's Summer League, and I, I, I don't know what Josh Eustace playing well means anymore. Right. Do you think he gets a chance? I just think the dude just needs a chance. Like, let him play him five minutes let him play garbage time like whatever it is like give them a chance to either be an NBA player or not because like what they've been doing for the first few years of his career has not been that I don't feel like they've really given him much of a chance the reason it's weird is because I I realize that he was not projected as a first round pick but the reason that it's weird is because they still took him as a first rounder and you're still you are investing money into his salary you're investing resources into his development. You're investing time into his development and devotion into his development. You're investing a roster spot for two years, and they've it's like they've gone out of his way or out of their way not to see what he is. That's what's weird. Right. 
Like, it's not hard to put him into 30-point games to give him, like, play him the same way you play Nick Collison, you know? Put him into 20-point games Mm -hmm. for the final five minutes. Like, that's fine. It's not that hard. There were games when he was active. And there were game like there were games when he was active, like in the middle of the season when Oladipo was hurt, and like I forget who else was hurt. It was Oladipo and somebody. Like there were games where where Adams was out and he was active, or whomever it was. Like or maybe Oladipo and Canner might have overlapped. I forget. The season was so long ago at this point. But there were times where he was active and there, and they just they didn't do it. And it's weird when he yeah. when, like he shot thirty seven percent from three in the D League. I'm not even arguing that that he is a good NBA player because I honestly mm-hmm. don't know. It's not like I'm sitting around watching D-League all the time. But when I see him, he's a tremendous athlete and he makes threes. And like right. my, my only argument, which I think is fair, like this is not a hot take. My only argument is that I don't know what he is, but neither do the Thunder. And that's a problem. Like after two mm-hmm. years – you should at least have an idea of what a first-round pick is. And it's really been three years. It's two years of the rookie contract. It's three years since they drafted him. And after that amount of time, you should have an idea of what uh, of just what kind of player that player is. And they don't know. They played him in seven games. They don't know. And it's weird. It's weird. I don't quite understand it. It's not like he's like – a problem in the locker room and they're just like, they don't want him. In, you know, it's not like that's like an issue, you know, he's only a problem on Twitter. Right. <laughs> he's only a problem to you. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it's just weird. And, uh, yeah. I, it, it makes no sense. And the thunder, what have they needed over the past years? Athletic wings. What is Josh Hustis supposedly an athletic wing? And they, they just, it just makes no sense. And like the things they've said as well, he really struggles playing the pick and roll. You're playing Doug McDermott and and Kyle Singler. And it's a, it's and a BS Tanner. answer. It's it's a BS answer that Billy gives for some reason. It's such a weird BS answer. You know, he could give it's he awful. could give other answers that are BS, but they're less weird. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a weird answer, isn't it? He's he needs to work. It's, it's, not even defending the pick and roll. He needs to work on defending uh, the front end of pick and rolls. And it's like, and he says he's he he's been playing he's been playing power forward. You know he played power forward a lot of his college career, and he still needs to work on defending the front end of pick and rolls. It's like okay, so then a put him in against wings who don't run pick and rolls. There are a ton of wings who don't run pick and rolls, Billy. Like, what do you right. just have him guard the Andre Robertsons of the world? Like that's fine, and just right. have him play help defense or. Just play him at power forward then. If his whole issue is that he's good at power forward, then just make him a power forward. I don't understand what that problem is. Just make him a small ball power forward and try him for like seven minutes once. Yeah, it's obviously not not an answer. Like it's not a real answer. No, of course it's not. It's a it's a joke. <laughs> yeah, it's a um, it's a hilarious answer. It is. And anyone else? That's on the summer league roster, so we know. Well, well, there's one guy. On the, on, uh, there's one guy. There's this point guard that's been awesome. <laughs> I'm not going to even go there with you, Fred. James, I can't do that. I'm having I'm having such a good time out here in the mountains. I got to see fireworks shooting over just this gorgeous lake. 
in these mountains tonight. I just, I don't know that I need to hear his name anymore. James. <laughs> no, no. I'm not ba- doing that. Backwards, James has been assertive. He has been, he is, I'm, I'm serious. He has been like, he, he's, he's like yelling at teammates in like moves that I've never seen Samaje Kristen do. Cause I think it's like, he's, he's the rookie, like he's the second round pick rookie upstairs, but down at yeah. summer league, he's like the vet who has more NBA experience than everyone else on the team. So, right. Like he's like the leader of the team and he's like commanding teammates and yelling where guys were to go. It's like an amazing version of Samaj Chris I've never seen before in my entire life from personality. Cause he's like a quiet guy. He's so nice. That's what's so weird about mm-hmm. your, your thing. He's like so quiet and reserved and like, you know, and he's this extremely soft spoken. Well, guy. if you think about, well, if you think about it, like one of my favorite guys in the NBA is Dion, right? Like he's like he couldn't be more anti Dion. That's true. That is a good point. He's not like Dion at all. He has no problem never taking a shot. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's very true. But like, yeah, he's he's yelling at guys where to go and he's he's aggressively driving and kicking and finding corner three shooters. They should they should trade Russell and start him. That's my hot take. <laughs> I wish that this was a, a video pod so that people could see how many times I rolled my eyes during that whole speech. <laughs> hey, he played well in training camp last year. He played well at summer league last year. Is how he made the roster. This is not the first time. Yeah, and keep in uh, mind, Andrew, it's, it's it's we're recording this at like two a.m. Eastern on July fifth, <laughs> two days until his contract guarantees. I think. How oh, they're going to guarantee that thing? Uh, I can't. I can't talk about him anymore because I'm trying to have a good end of my trip. Uh, Daniel Hamilton is he any good? People want to know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't really pay attention to the games here, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot going on during those games today. Yeah, you know, I'm walking around. I'm talking to Anthony Grant. I'm trying to. I'm trying to like schmooze with scouts and like. I asked the scout today. People are there trying to find out basketball stuff, and I asked the scout today if uh, he if he watched the original Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero because I wanted to make a a joke about about Vince Hunter's name being a mesh of on the later nine hundred two one zero the character Noah Hunter was played by an actor named Vincent Young. So Vincent Hunter's name is the perfect mesh, and that's all I think about whenever I hear his name. I think of that character from 90210. So I wanted to make a joke about that. Unfortunately, he didn't watch 90210, and he was unamused with the joke, and then he kind of walked away. So that's the kind of networking that I'm doing here. And I'm also making sure I'm also making sure to learn nothing about Daniel Hamilton, apparently, as well. That's what we know about Daniel Hamilton. Oh, Fred. Hey, if you guys are on Twitter and you're listening to the show, thank Fred for saving my butt tonight because I would have had to do another solo pod. I don't like doing solo pods. Uh, so he is helping me get this to you. Thank him on Twitter. Uh, and thanks, Fred. We can follow you on Twitter at Fred Katz. You can follow us on Twitter at Down to Dunk. Leave us a five-star iTunes review. If you got the time, it's just a nice thing to do for us. We try to put out as much content as we can for you. If you could just do that one thing for us, that would be so helpful. 
and we will talk to you guys on Friday.